Blog Talk Radio.
Well, good morning. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to tune in to Life Podcasts. Here we are. I get to be your host for the next, today's going to be a short podcast, so we'll say about 30 minutes. Um, the goal is to bring you in on effective and fruitful life in the Fulfilled Eschaton. Again, LIFE is an acronym that we use here at LIFE Podcasts uh, for living in the Fulfilled Eschaton, which highlights the power behind the preterist view of eschatology. We're going to talk a little bit about that today and how we can live fully and effectively and ultimately why we believe in the power of preterism. Amen. I have to say, I hope that you had as much zeal in singing that song or at least listening with a prayerful intent um, to that song and uh, just glorifying God that, yes, he has called us into a light so glorious. He has called us into an amazing truth. And our job, our goal, if you will, maybe not job, but our goal is to live for him. So in everything that we do, we want to live for him effectively and fruitfully. And uh, again, before I get ahead of myself, I do want to bring us in on a moment of prayer. I believe it's very important to set up some sacred space, if you will. And one way that I've marked that out in my life, actually today is going to be great because I get to share with you quite a few ways that I've marked that out in my life. But one of the ways primarily that I've done that is through common prayer. So what I'd like to do is bring us into the show, as I do every time we do a live podcast, by bringing us in on our reading for February 26th in the Book of Common Prayer. I use a specific edition, which is the Liturgy for Ordinary Radicals, um, those that are rooted in Christ. And uh, I've been blessed by this for quite a few years now. So here we are. And what I might do to preface our Common Prayer, since there's no focus, um, the month of February, of course, is Black History Month. It's a month where we focus in on reconciliation. I love that in this modern rendition of the Book of Common Prayer, they do that throughout most of their readings. So let's focus on what 2 Peter chapter 1 says about what should be the focus of all those entering into the kingdom of God, those that live and dwell in the kingdom of God as well. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Actually, let's start at verse 1. Simon Peter an apostle, a servant, and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. According to his divine power, he has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that he has called us to glory and virtue whereby we are given an exceedingly great and precious promises that by these you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He that lacks these things is blind and cannot see far and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, rather, brethren, give diligence to your calling and election and make it sure. For if, these things, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. For an entrance shall be ministered to you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
What it seems from Second Peter chapter 1 is that if we have the right knowledge of God, what we should be possessing and increasing in is all of those attributes that are listed there in Second Peter chapter 1. I know I've been convicted of this for quite some time, and I've compelled others, even written blogs called Second Peter chapter 1 growth charts, where I challenge each of us to continue to possess and increase in those qualities. Let's let our desire to do that be our focus this morning. Amen. Oh, Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for the joy of the rock of our salvation. Guide us, Lord, in your good way, that all our work might speed your day. Psalm 119, verses 169 through 172. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your promise. My lips shall pour forth your praise when you teach me your statute. My tongue shall sing of your promise, for all your commandments are righteous. Guide us, Lord, in your good way, that our work might speed your day. Francis de Sales, a 16th century bishop in France, wrote, Each of us has his own endowment from God, one to live this way, another to live that way. It is an impertinence, then, to try to find out why St. Paul was not given St. Peter's grace, or St. Peter given St. Paul's grace. There is only one answer to such questions. The church is a garden patterned with countless flowers. So there must be a variety of sizes, colors, scents, of perfections after all. Each has its value, its charm, its joy, while the whole vast clutter of these variations make for beauty in its most graceful form. And at this time, what we usually do is open up just for a prayer, and I'll lift up a prayer for us, and go into a recitation of the Our Father. Mighty God, as we enter into the show this morning, set before us the truth of the knowledge of God. Set before us, Lord, the promises that flow from that knowledge, and the commandment, Lord, for us to walk in obedience to those things. The commandment, Lord, for us to see these things fully, so that the things of the world would grow dim and your glory and grace would continue to enlarge. Lord, thank you for being with us. Thank you for being present. Thank you for being in our lives. Thank you for your truth calling us into a glorious light. Go before us and allow us to be edified through this podcast. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. So, what I have for us today is this. When we read Second Peter chapter 1, it highlights that the promises flow from the knowledge of God. What the power of preterism is, is that as we study the scriptures, come in unison with the truth of what the scriptures are pointing out in regards to Christ fulfilling the details of the old covenant. What has come about is the understanding that the cross and the coming of the Lord are intimately entwined. Not only that, but the cross, the resurrection of the dead are intimately entwined. And the coming of the Lord and the judgment and all of these beautiful eschatological 
or last day events are all tied together and cannot be separated by 2,000 years. So what the Preterist community has gone on to do is create quite a vast amount of knowledge and information regarding time statements, proper context and understanding of New Testament details and Old Testament details for that matter. And um, the re context, time statements, and um, audience relevance, and, and how these details applied to a first century audience, and how you know, the disciples standing in front of Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, verses 27 through 28, or Matthew chapter 24, um, how they would have received these details, or the audience that would have received the letter, uh, the, uh, the apocalypse of Jesus Christ, the book of Revelation, um, how they would have received that letter, what time was it when they received the letter, and what did it mean? And then again, of course, the next question is, what happened after the first century? Why did the church seem to have a lot of confusion? And I believe I, I answered a lot of that on our last podcast. I do encourage you, if you're listening to this one and you have questions regarding church history, of course, it was a very brief synopsis, but I do encourage you to go ahead and listen to the last podcast where I went through a little bit of that history. And I encourage you to read uh, The Road Back to Preterism by Kurt Simmons. So the preterist community, what the main impetus, if you will, um, for what we see as power of preterism is that if we, the knowledge of God is what brings forth the promises, we must have a consistent knowledge of God. We must truly understand how these promises have given to us, been given to us and what we're supposed to be doing in this life. Futurism, unfortunately, propels us to a future reality that the effectivity of all that God has done is going to be shown at a later date. The preterist says no way that we're living in the fullness now. We are living in the fulfilled eschaton. And therefore, all things given to us pertaining to life and godliness are effective now and must be, you know, um, diligently focused in upon to bring glory to our Lord and edification to the saints. And uh, that's why I believe in the power of preterism. I believe that as we, we came to an understanding, as I came to an understanding of fulfillment, I realized that... Um, it opened up clarity in regards to what we should be doing right now. And that's been a uh, something that I discerned from my, my beginning walk with Christ is what do I need to be doing? How can I sing that song, The Chosen Generation by Chris Tomlin, and truly say that I am living for him, that I am truly doing all I can to live for him because I believe that we are living in a chosen generation that is bringing forth the glory of God. Amen? And when I say generation, I don't mean the... 40 years, I mean a generation that is eternal because I believe we're living in the age to come, the eternal age. So we are therefore an eternal generation in Jesus Christ. So what I want to do today actually is bring us in on two, I want to focus in on two words, effective and fruitful. Now, of course, I've mentioned the Second Peter chapter one growth chart where you could go ahead and do some of that uh, studying and ask God to convict you of what you possess, what well, maybe you don't possess. Um, in regards to that Second Peter chapter one characteristic list, there be um, what you need to increase in. I would hope for most of us Christians that, uh, or all of us Christians for that matter, that it would be increasing in the attributes that we already know we possess, but just continuing to grow in them, ever increasing in those beautiful attributes. So, in talking about effective and fruitful, I uh, wanted to focus in on two resources. The first one being um, a secular resource. Many of you may have heard of the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's a good book. 
I wrote a review for it for our local library and won the contest, which was neat. And um, I definitely was blessed by Stephen Covey's or Kavi or not sure how you would say his name, uh, but I would know I was blessed by his uh, book. So yesterday, what I believe by the providence of God, I was at a local thrift shop and I found the Daily Reflections for Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. I think it's Covey. And I decided a good way to uh, start my day in effectivity would be to focus in on one of these uh, devotionals from this book. And I wanted to share with you today. So today being February 26th, I'm going to give us our reading. Clarifying expectations sometimes takes a great deal of courage. It seems easier to act as though differences don't exist and to hope things will work out than it is to face the differences and work to get together to arrive at a mutual agreement set of expectations. Interesting. So we need to have clear expectations and clarifying expectations and being honest with our reality rather than acting as though differences do not exist um, and that, you know, we need to find ways to work together by admitting our expectations and clarifying our expectations. So uh, I think about that. That's convicting for me because I have quite a few presentations coming up. I have some debates coming up. And I think the important thing to do is to clarify what we expect from those debates because we're going to have differences and we're not just going to leave the debate agreeing with each other. And hopefully we wouldn't leave the debate trying to uh, assert, you know, points that we did not make and, and trying to uh, build upon them and make it as if we made great points. Um, I know many and myself, you know, admittedly have been guilty of that. And I believe that we should be uh, shaking our head at that and seeking to bring forth as much clarity as we can in regards to the details that we're debating and expressing. So uh, for me, it's clarifying expectations is very important, and I hope that that challenges you a bit today. As far as being fruitful, I want to bring us to Scripture. We've been reading through the book of Isaiah in our Thursday evening Bible study, a home group that I, I go to, and uh, I thought there were some poignant points made by Isaiah. Uh, the text I'm turning to now is Isaiah chapter 26. Here, this is what uh, Dr. Don K. Preston has focused in on a lot in regards to the little apocalypse. And the little apocalypse actually has great correlation to the eschatological details that we're reading about in the New Testament, primarily the judgment and the resurrection of the dead and the coming of the Lord. And uh, in the midst of this reading here, which I found to be so beautiful, I even made a post about it on social media, um, I found these two verses that seem to offer up very clarifying details. And I wanted to bring them before you today. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 18 says this, we have been with child, we have been in pain, we were, it's as if we brought forth the wind, we have not wrought any deliverance in the earth, neither have the inhabitants of the world fallen. You see, what this is based upon is this is a prophecy to Israel that Israel was supposed to be a people who would bring forth the deliverance of God in the world. If you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 4, I believe it's either 4 or 6. I always say that. Let me clarify right now. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Yes, Deuteronomy 4. I'm glad I'm no longer going to doubt myself when I say that. In speaking to Israel here, we read, Behold, I have taught you statutes, verse 5, and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me. This is Moses speaking to Israel. 
that you should do this in the land where you go to possess it. Keep, therefore, and do them, for this is your wisdom and understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who has God so high to them or so near to them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? What nation is there so great that has such statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law, which I set before you this day? You see, Israel was given commandments so that they would be a light to the nations. They failed. They snuffed out the light in their disobedience and in their idolatry, in their wickedness. And therefore, they did not bring forth deliverance in the earth. And obviously, what you see through the history of Israel, the narrative of the Bible, is their division, their split. They end up needing to be reconciled, is what Jesus Christ primarily comes to do, as you read in Matthew chapter 10 and Matthew chapter 15. And then the Apostle Paul, of course, being sent to the other Gentiles, the greater Gentiles, if you will. And uh, so what we see here is that Israel's lamenting that they were with child, but they did not bring forth the manifestation of the sons of God, which, of course, should bring to mind Romans chapter 8, which is not only a resurrection text, but is a answer to this plea here, the hope that is being hoped for in Israel, as evident through Isaiah um, chapters 24 through 28, their hope being that they want to bring forth deliverance in the earth. How will God create his people to be a people that will bring forth righteousness rather than disobedience and wickedness? That was the hope of Israel. The hope of Israel was not an individual promise. As you make your, your way through the Old Testament, the Law and the Prophets, it should become very evident to you that the Hebrew people were very corporately focused. The individual had identity in the corporate reality. Death was when you were kicked out of the community, when you were removed from the community. You were considered dead, or you might say when you were removed from fellowship. That's the death that Adam suffered in the day that he ate of the tree. In his disobedience, he died, meaning his communion, his fellowship with the Lord was severed. And uh, that's what Israel is lamenting throughout the Old Testament. And they're hoping for God to restore, to remove that death which a death that is focused upon not only here in Isaiah chapters 24 through 28, but also Hosea chapter 13. Ironically, those are the two texts the Apostle Paul uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 when talking about the resurrection of the dead, the dead that suffered the death, the fellowship death of the old covenant. And how would they be restored to glory? How would they take part in what God was doing to bring forth deliverance in the earth? Of course, to the old covenant people, what happened to their old covenant dead or their dead ones was very important. And if you had proposed a new thing being done that did not affect Abraham, Moses, and those of the old covenant, that would have been seen as disastrous. That's why they had a doctrine called the resurrection of the dead. More on that another time. However, what God promises, even if you move into the verse 19, that the dead men shall live. Again, many people want to focus on the... Uh, individuality that it seems to come that comes from that text but again the whole promise is corporate so what i want to do is show you the answer to that the answer to isaiah chapter 26 verse 18 where there's no deliverance no fruit being brought forth in the earth is isaiah chapter 27 verse 6 and i already mentioned romans chapter 8 and first corinthians chapter 15 in a new testament paradigm but i want to just focus in on the text and how it convicted me as we read through this prophecy Isaiah chapter 27, verse 6 reads, He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root, 
Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. And what this should remind you of, of course, is Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 21 through 22 is the, talking about the new heavens and the new earth. And in the new heavens and new earth, there's going to be the access to the tree of life that is going to bring forth fruit. And the spirit and the bride will invite those to come and eat of the fruit of the tree of life and to bring forth the healing of the nations, which if you're tuned into the show, you know that that is a focus of the power of preterism. To bring forth the healing of the nations, to bring forth fruit in the earth, to be effective and fruitful in the use of the knowledge of God. So how would God make Israel fruitful? He shall cause them that come out of Jacob to take root. He would confirm the promises given to the fathers. Romans chapter 15, verses 8 through 9. And the Gentiles would glorify God for his mercy, meaning that he has now brought change to his people that were not bringing forth deliverance. And now they are bringing forth deliverance through him. He has caused them to bring forth deliverance. And that's exactly what we're reading in 2 Peter chapter 1. So you see Romans 8, Romans 15, 1 Corinthians 15, 2 Peter chapter 1, Isaiah chapters 24 through 28, Hosea chapter 13 are all speaking about a very similar narrative of how God is going to take a people that were not bringing forth deliverance, were not rooted in the knowledge of God, and how he's going to root them in the knowledge of God, allow them to be so rooted in the knowledge that they would bring forth fruit effectively and fruitfully. And the way he tells us to do that is by possessing and increasing in, bring us over to that text, moral virtue, right? I know that's one moral excellence, if you will. Knowledge. Remembering off the top of my head as I'm turning to the text here. Self-control or temperance. Patience or perseverance. Godliness. Brotherly kindness and love. That if we can bring forth those things in an effective and fruitful way in all that we do, we are abundantly administered entrance to the kingdom of God. So when the futurist, to bring it back to that conversation, when the futurist says that the preterists, through their paradigm of living effectively and fruitfully in the fulfilled eschaton, calls us heretics, you would imagine where all the frustration and confusion seems to come in. We might have a different persuasion, might have a difference, which again, it is a very, very big difference. But our attitudes as far as how the entrance into the kingdom is offered abundantly should not change. So I'd like to go on record this morning and say that I do believe there's those that believe in the futurist view that have been administered abundantly entrance into the kingdom of God, just as I believe many preterists have. I believe that if we are not possessing and increasing in the attributes of Second Peter chapter 1, that is a surefire sign that we are far off. From the knowledge of God. And that should be what we focus in on. So I'd like to challenge you this morning that to be effective and fruitful in your life in the fulfilled eschaton this week, today, start out by clarifying your expectations. Maybe it's your expectations for the day. Maybe it's your expectations for a conversation you're having with a friend. Maybe it's expectations for work that you have coming up. Maybe it's expectations for your community. I know I live in a community that is somewhat divided. And I know I, I need to clarify our expectations for our local civics. I know in the preterist community, in the preterist movement, we have a lot of debates. I believe it's important for us to clarify our expectations. And then, of course, to be fruitful, 
I think it's important for us to gain a full knowledge of God, to continue to study to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth, therefore needing not to be ashamed. And in doing so, we can prove all things, hold fast to that which is good, and abstain from that which is wicked. And that to me seems to be of what is of utmost importance, therefore allowing us, as Oswald Chambers had said, to give our utmost for his highest, amen, so that we would truly live for him as we sung about, as we opened up our show today. So I pray that that's been edifying to you. I know we're up against the time. What I want to do is just open up the lines that if anybody would like to call in, maybe you're tuned in, you're, you have something to say. Um, I'm going to go ahead and play a song and I will uh, be back here in a moment and then we will close out the show. So if you'd like to call in, our phone number is 516-387-1717. Again, the number is 516 516- Three eight seven one seven one seven.
All right, we're back. I noticed that we did not receive any callers, so that's fine. Um, I hope that if you're listening on podcast, you know that you can reach out to me through um, through email at Pastor Mike Miano, M-I-A-N-O, at yahoo.com. You can reach out to me, of course, through Facebook Messenger. You can even find me on Twitter and Instagram um, through various different names, usually Miano Gone Wild. And um, I'd love to correspond with you and uh, be able to have that conversation about living in the fulfilled eschaton, maybe answering any questions you may have. Um, I hope today was effective and fruitful in your life and that you're continuing to move on to a greater effectivity and fruitfulness. And what I'd like to do is just simply end our program. Before I do so, what I also want to make mention of is it's important for you to make your plans to join us here at the conference. What's next? A preterist conference, May 17th through the 19th, 2019, here at the Blue Point Bible Church in Blue Point, New York. The conference is free. Of course, it's important that you get yourself a hotel. I'll have that information up by uh, Thursday afternoon in regards to conference uh, information, hotels, and traveling information. So uh, please mark your calendars and get ready for a great conference that focuses in on the future of the effectivity and fruitfulness of the preterist movement. Lord, as we continually answer the call to follow you, Help us discern how to use our talents and gifts in ways that nurture your kingdom. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders that he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Thank you for tuning into the show today. I trust you were blessed. As you noticed, we have a time change. We will now be live at 8.30 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays. Thank you again for taking time out. God bless. As a dead past flowing streams So my soul for you, God My soul thirsts for God A living God Catch me at the brook I used to Jack Daniels Chase Bloody Mary I never touched the virgins, nah They too scary And then me you died since the day of my birth Now I'm a walking sprite billboard Obeying my thirst My lips used to sip from sick mixed elixir Now I big gulp from big spits of scripture Living water all in my picture Get the picture Blowing out okay. my heart is the best kind yeah. of addiction yeah. If I go days without seeking his face And start showing A week outside his presence in the world starts knowing Sometimes my earnest prayer is to erase my brain Cause 20 years as a pagan, got my mind trained Broke up with the world like I need my face, I gotta breathe But then she looked me in my face like you ain't gotta leave The landlord clued me in till you're cheating I need more for a reason, so I got to get leaving Your face I need to constantly see I need more, never feel I'm reaching my peak I need more, my soul thirst for you, oh lord I need more I need more, I'm thirsting after God Find peace in your mercy and grace I need more, find shelter in no other place I need more, my soul thirst for you, oh Lord I need more, I need more You can catch me at the brook Forget diamonds in his presence, I stay laced With a shine like Moses when I'm seeking his face My gratitude for the water was Bottle it up and try to sell it like a telemarketer Until I die, or they martyr us The water's aquaphobia how I advertise. You can drink from other sources, but your soul's never satisfied. 737-8611. Catch me at the brook. Take a sip to heaven. Never get enough. Christ fill my soul up. Cause all the world's wealthy, the dryer, they done froze up. Greater 
better than Jacob. Look at John 4 sitting near. Jesus makes an offer the waters like a synonym. All the women and men who live in the synonym. Catch us at the brook where we be getting it in and in. Your faith I need to constantly seek. I need more. Never feel I'm reaching my peak. I need more. My soul thirsts for you, oh Lord. I need more. I need more. I'm thirsting after God. Find peace in your mercy and grace. I need more. Find shelter and no other place. I need more. My soul thirsts for you, oh Lord. I need more. I need more. You can catch me at the brook. The world's at the well. Looking thirsty. Me, I'm at the brook. Where the church be? Don't need a pool, homie. Christ that held me. Used to mess around with coke, but the towers the real thing. Don't need a Pepsi to pet me. Press me, press me to seek them. Like John Knox, the guy who told me that I should drink them. So till I leave the earth, catch me pouring it up. I got my life turned up, homie. So is my girl. Yeah, yeah. Like the deer panther, my soul thirsts for you. Like, make them known and everything we do. Like, offer living water to my whole crew. We like, I carry my cup, I can't get enough. Raise your cup to his authority and power. Like, found out all day was happy hour. Like, real talk, he turns our lives up when the music drops. You can catch me at the.